I needed to listen. I needed to have empathy for where they were at. And I needed to hold back some of the things that I thought were easy answers. And when they were ready, they would ask, how did you figure this out? How did you get to the other side of it? When I moved to England in 2005, um, I was encouraged to uh, teach school alongside other teachers who didn't know Jesus and just do life with them. That's what I was asked to do. I, in fact, was uh, commissioned by the Heights to go there. And um, I have a set of about five or six friends that we are still friends almost 20 years later. What I love about Alpha is when I first attended 16 years ago with my friend Sam. She was one of my really good friends in England that I ended up teaching with. Um, and my roommate and I uh, were both Christians. We invited her to come with us and we were asked by our minister to bring a non-Christian and say nothing. And I remember thinking, in the moment, how hard it was to just hold all of that inside. I have all these answers. I know all these things that make everything better. And we attended the whole Alpha course. She would come bring her questions every week. Um, she was a, you know, extreme intellectual and so smart. She's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And by the end of it, she still wasn't ready to make a decision that she sort of disappeared for a couple of weeks and we didn't really know. She was coming to work, but she wasn't engaging with us. And she was one of our really good friends and we were really worried about her. Maybe two or three weeks went by and then she wanted to meet with us and she wanted to tell us that she had decided to become a Christian. But she is now someone who both her children are believers. She has led Bible studies. Her life is changed for eternity because I invited her to a thing that sounded weird and I didn't know what to expect. And I shut my mouth and I just listened to her. And I cannot imagine a life that Sam isn't a part of what brings me joy for as long as I breathe. She is my sister. And I never shared a scripture with her. I never told her how to pray. I never did any of those things. I celebrated Christmas with her. I went out and had drinks with her. We taught school together. We spent time together. We went on road trips together. She became a Christian all on her own. All I am ever responsible for is either planting a seed or watering a seed. And it is God that makes it grow. We are just a small part of that picture. Join me in thanking Molly for sharing just some of her story. Amen.
Amen. Hey, listen, let me, let me just welcome you uh, this morning. Those of you listening online, we're so glad you're joining us. Those of you who are here, we're glad that you're joining us. I tell you, I'm, I'm excited about the message that God has given me to preach uh, this morning. I'm excited most Sunday mornings uh, about the message, so that's nothing new. Uh, but honestly, this morning, I didn't know exactly who I would get to be talking to. I mean, there's rain, there's preparations for the Super Bowl, and so I'm like, is it going to be me and one other person that's going to be here? And uh, you know what? Uh, it would be so sad, think about it, if nobody was here this morning except for you and me, right? I mean, we'd both just say, eh, let's just go home, you know, right? Uh, and, and the truth is, uh, the gathering is so important because we're encouraged by others gathering to worship Jesus with us and to hear God's proclaim with us. And we encourage them and they encourage us. And you made a commitment to be at the gathering today. So I want you to just turn to the person to your left, your right, and just say thank you. All right, That's all you got to do is just say thank you because we're here together and that's a good thing, right? We really are better together. Hey, listen, uh, go ahead and open your Bible if you brought your Bible, uh, whether it's on your phone or the, the old-fashioned hard copy. Uh, open it up to Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 through 38. We're wrapping up a sermon series this morning, and I just, I'm, I'm really, really excited about this message. I just want us to hear what Jesus is saying to us. We're wrapping up the message, and the message is you and I have a mission. Now, it's a mission that is so vast, so big. It's a co-mission, right? You have the mission. I have the mission. We each have a part in the mission, and, and it's so big. We each have a part, and so we should be praying to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. Pray for help on the mission that God has given us to do. And that's, that's the message. We're wrapping up the series, but we're not wrapping up the mission. The mission goes on year after year until we go to meet Jesus or Jesus comes back, right? Amen? And so what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to stand with me and we're gonna listen one more time from this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter nine. We're gonna declare this together and, and we recognize that we're standing in honor of God because we really do believe that God's word is our authority for faith and practice, for what we believe and for what we do. And so now God is gonna speak and we're going to listen Will you declare these words with me? And even as you declare them, I invite you to read and declare God's word with this attitude. Lord, would you speak to me what you want me to hear? And would you let me hear what you're speaking to me this morning? Listen and let's read together. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for standing, honoring God. Man, there's one thing that I really want you to walk away with, and I always tell you that, and I tell you that because I don't want you to get to lunch and, and, and what you think about the message, and you're going, oh, I don't know, you know, and well, well what did you hear God say? Oh, I don't know, you know? I don't want you to do that. And so I'm always giving you one thing. If God speaks other things into your life, so much the better. I love it. Hang on to that. But, but if you don't hear anything else, here's what I pray that you and I will walk away with today. And it's this. You have a job to do. 
pray for help. Now, I'm gonna spend the majority of our time this morning just on that first part. You have a job to do. And then when I get to the invitation, what am I inviting you to do? The very first thing I'm gonna invite you to do is to pray for help because this job is so big, we're not gonna be able to do it alone. As a matter of fact, it's gonna require every single one of us. But let's just dive in on the very first part. Notice how Jesus, speaking about himself, calls himself, look at this, the Lord of the harvest. Did you catch that? Lord, Lord of the harvest, Lord. When he says that he is the Lord of the harvest, he's saying that he is the boss. He is the one orchestrating the harvest. He's the one overseeing it. He's the one guiding and directing it. He's the one calling you and me into the harvest. He's the one assigning us where we're going to actually go in the harvest. I mean, he is the boss. He is overseeing it. Now, if he is the one who is overseeing it and he's telling us pray for more laborers, I don't think it's a jump I don't think I'm just kind of chasing a rabbit when I add this thought. If Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the harvest, and I want you to be a laborer in my harvest, it's not a jump to say, work is good. Now, I lost some of you right there, right? Labor is good because Jesus is not gonna oversee something that is evil. He's not gonna guide and direct something that is evil. And so if he's the Lord of the harvest, that means that work is good. And I know right now some of you are wanting to tune out on this message and you're saying, at least you're thinking in your mind, Gary, stick to the fields that are white unto harvest. Stick to telling us we need to go tell somebody about Jesus. And don't tell me work is good because I hate my job. I hate punching a clock. And Gary, I don't care what you say this morning. I can't wait to retire. Listen, no judgment, okay? I've had jobs that I hate too, all right? Now, thankfully, not pastoring the heights. That's not one of them. Matter of fact, no, no ministry job I've ever had. Scott's honor. I've loved every ministry job that God has allowed me uh, to, to serve in and work at and labor at. But, but I've had jobs I hate. My goodness, I worked at Taco Bell in high school. Okay, and I've fried my fair share, I mean a lifetime's worth of taco shells. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's CG, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, that's not a real picture, just so you know. But I've, had, I've done that, I've done my time. I worked evenings, weekends, closing, you know, all of that good stuff, degreasing floors, running the cash register. I, that was not my idea of what I wanted to devote my life to. I get it. And so now watch this. You go, Gary, why are you talking about Taco Bell and nine to five work when really Jesus is saying, go into the fields that are widened unto harvest? Here's the idea. Check this out. If we allow ourselves to begin to develop a low view of work, then it kind of spills over into any work that we have to do. Where am I getting this? Right out of the text. Jesus says the laborers are few. See, when God has a high view of work, when we have a low view of work, then we start saying things about work like, I hate my work, I hate my job, I can't wait to retire, I hate punching the clock, I hate what I do. And then that spills over into God calling us to labor in fields that are wide on the harvest. And we're going, you know what? I don't like that either. And that makes me uncomfortable. And I don't like doing stuff that's uncomfortable. I can't wait to retire from that either. And see, a low view of work leads to too few laborers. And I want to I just kind of dwell on this for a moment. See, I want you to understand something that maybe you've not thought about lately. 
But work is not a result of the fall. Work is not a result of sin. It's not like if Adam and Eve had just not bitten the apple. Yes, I know. It's the knowledge of the tree of good, uh, the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But, but everybody goes with apples, so if you can't beat them, join them. Let's just go with apple, okay? And it's not like if Adam and Eve hadn't bitten into the apple that we'd all be sitting on a beach somewhere this morning, sipping our favorite drink, just listening to the waves crash in. No, 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 no. Do you realize work came before the fall? Work came before sin? Work is God's idea, and you and I are gonna work for all of eternity? I told my daughter that one time, and she said, I don't know if I wanna go to heaven then. I said, trust me, hell is gonna be way, way worse, so just go with it, honey. But do you realize work came before sin? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. We are created to do work. We're designed to do work. So what is the work that we're created to do? Well, first of all, there's the nine to five work. Where do we get that? Right out of the 10 Commandments, right? You've read it and I've read it. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days shall you. Say this word with me. What does it say? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna labor. We're gonna work and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Work is good. Work is holy. Work is designed by God. Work is something God intends for us to do. And this is talking about the nine to five variety. This is talking about your career. This is talking about punching a clock. This is talking about the stuff you do during the week to put a roof over your head and food in your belly and to take care of your family. This is a good thing. And I want you to notice the ratio even. Six days you do what? Help me out. And then one day you do what? And so God is saying, here's a pretty good ratio if you're wanting to know work to rest and recreation ratio, six to one. Do you realize that means that you're sinning against God if you only work Monday through Friday? It's a joke. Come on, work with me here, people. No, 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 we all work on Saturday, right? You work Monday to Friday, and then you work on Saturday, and you're doing the chores and the wash and the laundry and the yard. And I mean, we work, right? And a six-to-one ratio is pretty good. And here's what I believe Jesus is saying. Your soul thrives when you're doing meaningful labor six times as much as you are resting and recreating. Somebody passed along just a theology of work. And I thought, man, this is really good. Our responsibility in working is to continue where God left off in Genesis 1. Think about how profound that is. The idea of work, the idea of labor. God labors six days and then he lets off and rests and then he tells us to take up the baton and continue. What we do is take the raw materials of the earth and develop them for God's glory and the good of others. Love God, love others. Our work is designed by God to demonstrate the glory of God, to demonstrate love toward God, and to do good towards others for the glory of God and the good of others. Now, this person goes on and writes, farmers take the soil and seed and produce food Contractors take raw materials of wood and cement and use them to make buildings. Think about it. For the glory of God 
and for the good of others. Software developers harness technology to create computer programs. A teacher takes a young mind and teaches history, math, and science. A custodian pushes a broom and cleans a room. A doctor or a nurse diagnoses and treats a person back to health. And they do it all, we do it, all for the glory of God and for the good of others. So when you and I sit at a desk and just dream all day about our toes in the sand, we're allowing Satan to rob us of something that God designed to be a blessing in our life. And not only that, when we develop a low view of nine to five work, we're robbing ourselves of one of the most fertile fields that we have for doing kingdom work because it is there at our place of work that God most often opens the door for kingdom conversations. So what is the work that God calls us to do? Well, it's the nine to five variety, but then it's also the kingdom of God variety. Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. What? Look at this again. Send out laborers into the harvest, into the harvest, into the harvest. This is harvesting work. This is kingdom work. And when you think of kingdom work, don't think that I'm just about to preach. Hey, God wants us to just go and tell somebody about Jesus. Uh, actually, I want you to think about something else. Because when I think of harvest work, when I think of kingdom work, I think of uh, doing the work of all five G's, not just the fifth G. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, when, when God says do work, he's talking about doing the work of grace. Now, listen to me. It's not implying at all. I'm not teaching at all. I'm not suggesting that we are saved by works. The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works. So just so that we're all playing, are we saved by grace or are we saved by works on our own part? Grace or works, which is it? Help me out, church. We're saved by grace. It's a free gift of God. But listen to me. We don't work at being saved by grace, but we do work at living by grace. I love what Dallas Willard wrote. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Let me try to illustrate what it looks like to work at living by grace. If you ever have a chance to go to Paris, go. If you ever go to Paris, go to the Museum d'Orsay. If you go to the Museum d'Orsay, uh, then I want you to make sure you go by and you look at Van Gogh's painting, Starry Night. And if you go and look at Van Gogh's painting, Starry Night, uh, you, you can approach the painting one of two ways. Kim and I stood there and, and, and you know, I, I, I could have easily uh, just approached it like this. Huh. Starry night, huh? Looks like a moon and a bunch of suns. Those are stars that are kind of hard to make out. You know, that whole Van Gogh's a genius thing is a little overblown, if you ask me. We could, we could approach it like that, right? Or we could stand there and, and we could just examine the painting more closely we could look at the brush strokes and the color and the shading and the dimensions. 
And we could, in our mind, compare this painting to other paintings that we've seen. And, and, and if we're willing to do the work, we begin to see the genius of Van Gogh. And we realize this Van Gogh thing really is all it's cracked up to be. And let me tell you something. In the very same way, you wake up in the morning and you can, if you choose to, you can just take the brush strokes of God in your life for granted. Uh, you can just say, you know, God, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it, I get it. I get to call you my father, and therefore I'm your kid, and you died for me. You, you, you shed your blood's payment for my sin. You've given me your righteousness in exchange for my sin. But Jesus, can I just tell you, you know what? Let, let, me, let me see the painting up one more time. You know what, God? I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's kind of hard to see your brush strokes. It's kind of hard to see what you've done for me lately because I, I've, been, I've been praying that you'd help me in my finances and I, I ain't seen a dime. I, I've been praying that you'd help me with this relationship. I've been praying that you'd help me with my wayward child. I've been praying that you'd help me to understand and get along with my parents. I've been praying that you'd help just save my friend. I've been praying, and God, you know what? You hadn't done anything that I've asked you to do lately and you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm beginning to think this whole following Jesus thing is a little overblown. Or, or you can wake up every morning and, and you can begin to examine the brush strokes of God in creation and you can examine the beauty of a sunrise and the beauty of a sunset, uh, the beauty of a beach and the waves crashing in and the seagulls overhead, the beauty of a mountain. You can examine the brushstrokes of God and the beauty of a child that is newborn that you're holding or the beauty of the smile of a child. You can examine the brushstrokes of God's grace and that God came and died on a cross in your place and that God loves you enough that he gave you the gift of salvation. He covers you in his righteousness when you repent of your sins and you ask him to and you can look at the brush strokes of God and you can decide, God, how in the world could you be so good to me? I am overwhelmed by your grace. And let me tell you this. You will never do the work of going into the fields that are white unto harvest and telling someone about the amazing grace of Jesus until you first do the work of living by grace and stand amazed in the presence of God's amazing grace. And while we're at it, God invites us to do the work of gathering, right? And that's what you've done this morning. I know Super Bowl prep. I know raining outside. And you said, you know what? I'm going to do the work of gathering. And is it a labor at times? Okay, here's where 10 of you will be honest out loud. Okay, ready? Is it a labor? Is it an effort? Does it require work at times to get to church? Yes or no? Oh, y'all are so much more honest than the 930 crowd. I'm proud of y'all. And if you've got young kids, moms, help me out here. Is it an effort just to gather with God's family, yes or no? Yeah. Amen. We're keeping our two granddaughters this weekend. The last thing I heard my wife say right before she kissed me by was, okay, I'm going to be there, honey, but I may not be on time. <laughs> What's she saying? It's an effort to get up and get grandkids dressed into church. But let me tell you this. We really are better together. And you'll never go do the work in the fields that are white under harvest and ask someone to join you in the gathering of God's family unless you are first 
prioritizing and experiencing the benefit of the gathering. Same with doing the work of growing, right? Is it is it work? Does it require effort to get up and, and carve out time to spend with God? Yesterday, I, I'm on this elliptical and trying to do a workout and I listened to the scripture and I didn't hear a lot because I was on the elliptical and, and, and couldn't breathe and, and trying to do a workout. And so I listened to the scripture again and, and I'm still on the elliptical and, and I'm saying, okay, God, what are you saying to me in this? And, and then I start trying to talk back to God because I've heard God and I've, I've understood what he's trying to say to me. And then I start trying to talk back to him and and I'm you know just I'm I just hit a wall and and really I've got nothing to say to God yesterday and I'm just like okay God uh bless the sermon uh Lord bring a lot of people Lord send the rain away Lord let Brock Purdy do good uh, you know just I mean just it was just like nothing right it, it does it require effort to carve out time to meet with Jesus yes or no yeah but let me tell you something If you don't do the work of carving out time to meet with Jesus, you'll never go into the fields that are white unto harvest and invite someone else to come and meet the Jesus that you and I don't even bother to meet with. And then there's the work of giving, right? Do you realize it's work to serve? Did I mention that we're keeping our two granddaughters? (laughs) I mentioned to my wife, this is a lot of work. And she just looked at me. Y'all pray for her because she's just mean sometimes. <laughs> and she just looks at me, no sympathy whatsoever. And she says, yes, serving is hard for some of us, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not even going to go there, but, but y'all pray for her. But do you realize when we do the work of serving someone else that so often it's the work of serving that opens the door to the opportunity for sharing? Can I hear an amen to that? And do you realize when we do the work of giving that in giving we can open doors and create doors for sharing? You've already heard so much about Alpha. 44 people were there. 13 were guests. 13 hear uh, the gospel. They enjoy a free meal and they get to ask questions that they have about Jesus and that's because you and I are doing the work of giving. Amen? Now listen to me. It's when we do the work of these four G's that we're much more likely to go and do the work of going. The work of going. And this is the great commission. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them how to obey all that I've commanded them to do. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. See, that's the work of going. That's what Jesus is talking about in this text when he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. Laboring in the harvest is going and telling someone about Jesus. That's what it means by making disciples. That's evangelism. That's sharing the gospel. And then if we own the mission, we recognize that God calls me not only to lead someone to Jesus, God calls you to lead someone to Jesus. And then God calls you to baptize them. He doesn't call you to outsource it to the preacher. If you do, I'll gladly baptize them for you, but he's calling you. He's saying, that's your 
mission. You lead somebody to Jesus, and then you baptize them. And then he says, don't you outsource this. It's your job then to teach them how to follow Jesus. Just because somebody becomes a follower doesn't mean they know how to follow. And he goes, that's your job. Don't outsource that to the preacher or your life group. No, no, no. Your life group is seconding the motion. The, the service and the sermon is seconding the motion. But God says, here's your mission and here's my prayer. Listen, I pray that by the end of this year, that every one of us would so own the mission, so own the mission, that every one of us would lead somebody to faith in Jesus. And then every one of us would then baptize the one that we have led to faith in Jesus. And that every one of us would take the responsibility of walking alongside them for the next year or so, meeting with them one-on-one, one-on-two, and teaching them how to actually follow Jesus. What, What is God saying to us in this text? I believe what he's saying is this. You and I have a job to do. And by the way, it's a nine to five job and it's a, it's a kingdom job. And he says a six to one ratio is a really good ratio between work and rest and recreating. I really do believe that he's saying your soul atrophies when you settle for entertaining yourself to death. So embrace work, the nine to five variety and the kingdom variety. So what am I inviting you to do today? Here it is. I'm inviting you, number one, to pray for help, literally. And before we leave today, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray for help. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. The mission is so big, we've gotta pray for help. You have a job, pray for help. Would you begin to pray, God, would you call me into the harvest and would you call others? God, would you take away the scales from my eyes? God, would you give me a burden for those who are far from you? God, would you give me opportunities to talk to them? And God, would you give me boldness? And it's kind of a Bob prayer. Somebody introduced me to that. Pray that God would give us a burden, opportunity, and boldness. Would you begin to pray? Pray for help. Second thing I'm inviting you to do this morning is to own the mission. We've talked about it enough. And I know you're thinking, Gary, we've talked about it enough. Okay, I agree. So it's just time to own the mission, right? Now, for some, owning the mission would be this morning. You say, I want to become a follower of Jesus. See, owning the mission, you gotta become a part of the mission. And you become a part of the mission by asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. And this morning, I invite you, you could pray this prayer If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, just pray this. Just say to Jesus right now, Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I've fallen short of living like you live. And Jesus, I recognize that there really is a kingdom and it's the kingdom of God. And I wanna live as a citizen of your kingdom forever and ever and ever. And I understand, Jesus, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the King of the kingdom, not me. And Jesus, I recognize that you came and you died on a cross and on that cross you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, my punishment, the sentence of hell you took upon yourself and you paid the penalty for my sin. 
And they put you in a tomb, but you rose again from the tomb, conquering sin, death, Satan, and hell. And so Jesus, right now, and I hope some ways just praying along with me right now, you just say to Jesus, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I repent of living as if I am my own king. And Jesus, right now, I want you to know I believe that God the Father raised you from the grave. And Jesus, right now, I confess you are my Lord. If you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, I make you the boss of my life. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Jesus, I believe that you are my Lord and I make you my Lord, my God, my King. And I believe you rose again from the grave and I'm asking you to save me. See, if you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So guess what? If you just did that, you're in the mission. You just became a disciple of Jesus Christ in this moment that I've been talking. Second thing I'm inviting you to do, if, if owning the mission, you say, I've already done that, Gary. Then for some of you, the second thing to own the mission is to get baptized. See, baptism is an outward symbol that really identifies an inward reality. Baptism is a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. It's a picture of what happens when you come to faith in Jesus. And Jesus tells us that he wants us to get baptized and to declare to the whole world that we're a follower of Jesus. Make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you can't get into the fields that are wide unto harvest yet because you hadn't been baptized. I mean, you could, but, but you're getting it all out of order. God says, follow him in baptism. And this morning, if you've never been baptized, I invite you to come back to the next step room here in just a few moments. And let us talk to you about that. You go, how, how, how do I get back? We'll, we'll take care of it. Just outsource that to us. We'll do it. And if you'll tell us who led you to faith in Christ, we'll challenge them to do the baptizing. And so become a disciple, get baptized. But some in the room are going, Gary, I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to make a disciple. I don't know how to baptize someone. I don't know how to teach somebody how to follow Jesus. Then for you to own the mission means that you need to be discipled. You need somebody to walk along beside you for a year or so and, and just teach you how to share the gospel and how to baptize and, and how to then teach somebody else how to follow Jesus. And so get into a discipling relationship. Come to the next step room and we'll, we'll connect you up with somebody who will disciple you. Final thing. If you're gonna own the mission, you go, I, I know how to do that, Gary, that's not the problem. Then to own the mission just means get to work. Let's do it. Let's go and tell somebody about Jesus. Let's all tell somebody about Jesus. Let's pray that God would give every one of us the opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus, that, every, that, that God would give every one of us an opportunity to baptize that person, that God would give every one of us an opportunity to then teach that person how to follow Jesus. If we do that, I'm telling you, we will see revival like we've never experienced in our lifetime. We will see lives being transformed. Let me tell you my dream. It relates to Taco Bell. I told you I worked at Taco Bell. Still love crunchy tacos. Man, when I worked there though, my favorite is a burrito supreme. I could make a burrito supreme like nobody's business. I don't ever order them anymore because they don't make them as good as I did. Love me some burrito supremes. Uh, for years, I mean, just 
Mexican food, give me crunchy tacos and Taco Bell. And then about five years ago, I went down to a staff retreat in Houston. Some of the guys were together and they said, hey, on the way down, we're gonna stop at this little restaurant in the woodlands called Lupi Tortilla. I'm like, guys, we could find a Taco Bell. They're like, no, 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 this is gonna change your life. We get in there and they say, you gotta order the beef fajitas. I don't order beef fajitas. They're always filled with gristle. Then you can't spit it out anywhere. Then you have to swallow it or tell everybody you gotta run to the restroom and then you spit it out in the restroom. I mean, you know, it's just, I don't do beef fajitas. He said, do beef fajitas, it'll change your life. So I did, and it did. Mm. Oh my goodness. The meat, lime flavor, melted in my mouth. Time I was finished, I was over there going, Richard, Richard, are you gonna finish your beef fajitas? You know, I mean, like, can we get an order to go? I, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Let me tell you something. You, you move from being a 4G disciple. Gary, I'm saved by grace and living by grace and I'm gathering, I'm growing, I'm giving. And, and you, you join God as a 5G disciple in the fields are white unto harvest. And it's gonna change the taste buds of your soul. Here's what's gonna happen. You are going to begin to experience the low I'm with you presence of God and the anointing of God on your life. And you're gonna begin to see God 10X your witness, your sharing. You're gonna see God working miracles. You're gonna see God transforming lives. You're gonna see those who are atheists, just like Molly Adams talked about, becoming followers of Jesus and leading their kids to Jesus and then teaching Bible studies and becoming champions for the kingdom of God. That's what you're gonna see when you and I move from a 4G appetite to a 5G laboring in the fields that are white under harvest. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray over you right now. Would you just bow your heads? Richard's gonna come and just dismiss us, but, but I just wanna pray over you. And, and right now, I'm gonna invite you to do a couple of things. Would you right now just pray for help? Right now, would you just say, Lord, would you send laborers into the harvest? Just pray that simple prayer. You don't have to wonder, what do I pray? Just pray, Lord, would you send laborers into the harvest? And Lord, would you start with me? Would you just be brave enough to pray that prayer? Lord, would you give me a burden for the people around me who don't know you? Would you give me an opportunity to talk to them? And would you give me the boldness to do so? Would you just pray for help? And while you're praying for help, would you right now just pray for your one? Who's the one that God is calling you to reach out to, to share the gospel with? Would you pray for that one? Would you pray that the Spirit of God would begin to bring conviction, the Spirit of God would begin to remove the scales from their eyes, that the Spirit of God would create in them a hunger for Jesus? And would you pray that God would use you to labor in that field? the field of their hearts. Lord Jesus, would you so move in our hearts that every one of us in this moment would say, Lord, I get it. 
I have a job to do. Lord, please help. Help me to do that job. And Lord, please call others to join me in the great work of harvesting in the fields that are white unto harvest. I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.